now. InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. These days, people are accepting job offers only to find what was promised to them is nothing like what the recruiter told them. How can you avoid having this happen to you? Here to help answer that question is Rebecca Knight, senior correspondent at Insider, covering careers and the workplace. In the past year, we've seen massive numbers of people switch jobs, quit jobs, look for new jobs, but many are dissatisfied with the result. Tell us about a career survey you recently wrote about. This was a survey that was done by The Muse, which is a career website. They interviewed 2,500 recent job candidates, mostly Gen Z and millennials. 72% of the people surveyed said they'd start a new job and felt an immediate sense of regret that the role or the organization was very different than they were led to believe in the recruiting process. So who is to blame here? Is it the recruiters who, I guess, are under pressure to find people in this tight job market? Or is it the bosses? Or who's misleading who here? It makes it sound a little more nefarious than I think it is. I don't think it's quite the bait and switch that we might be thinking that, yes, recruiters are under tremendous pressure to fill roles as fast as possible because there is such a tight labor market. So they might be painting a slightly rosier picture of the organization. But it also may be the candidates themselves who have just gone through two years of a pandemic and are ready for something new and different. Maybe they're unhappy in their current jobs or wanting to get back out there. And maybe they're not quite asking the right questions as they go through the process. What types of disappointments are you hearing about? What are some areas where people are feeling let down? The dominant narrative out there is that people are getting better jobs. They're getting higher paying jobs, more flexibility, more rewarding work. But in fact, that's not really happening. So a lot of employers are saying, sure, flexibility is a possibility. And the applicant might think I can work from home whenever I want. But in fact, that's not happening. I interviewed someone for my story. Her name is Maritza Maldonado. And she described interviewing for a job where she was told the organization was a little behind technologically and needed to play catch up in a few areas. This is out in Silicon Valley. And on her first day on the job, she was led into a storage room where she had to file papers. And she said to me, I couldn't believe it. I live in Silicon Valley. I don't know the last time I had to file paper. So I think that that's the other thing, too, is that even the job content is quite different. We're talking with Rebecca Knight, senior correspondent at Insider who covers careers and the workplace. And we're talking about the fact that people are feeling let down when they make the big job switch. And there's many people switching jobs or looking for jobs in the current marketplace. Rebecca, what would be some tips you might give our listeners who are in the job market to avoid having this happen to them? Is there a way to avoid having this happen to them? The thing that really stands out to me is how different today's recruiting process is from the before times when before you might go to an office three or four times, you would sit in a reception area, you would watch colleagues interacting with each other, you'd observe whether the office seemed lively and fun, are people laughing or is it more quiet and serious? You are seeing how work gets done at that organization. And now so much of the recruiting is done online. You're in a Zoom with one other person, maybe a couple of Zooms, and that's that. So really, you're just not having all of the information that you would ordinarily have had to make an informed decision. So that what you need to do is you need to ask really good questions, really hard, really specific probing questions. One career expert I spoke with recommended 
positive negative questions during the interview. So ask things like, how do you celebrate wins here? How are failures handled? What happens if someone makes a mistake? What does it take for someone to be successful here? What makes someone not so successful? What are you proudest of about working here? And what's something the company still needs to work on? So these questions are really designed to elicit maybe some of the warts that the organization might not tell you when they're trying to recruit you. I was talking to a boss of a company, and he said something very interesting, that the first time he has the thought that somebody doesn't fit, he fires them. He doesn't give them a second chance. You know, it's, he goes on, I got a gut instinct type thing. It seems to work for him, but it seems awfully cold, too. (laughs) Well, there's a saying, hire slow, fire fast. And so it seems like the boss that you're friends with certainly lives by that mantra. And the idea being, really take the time to get to know the candidate, find out what makes them tick, find out if they would be a good fit in your organization. And then, as your boss friend told you, the minute you find that's not the case, you let them go. Because if that person isn't quite right, they can do a lot of damage in your organization. Now, some companies have 45-day or 90-day periods at the beginning where that's sort of a trial period and there's no harm, no foul if the person doesn't work out. Is that a common thing that you found? I think it is pretty common. Right now, this is a job applicant's market. If you are a prospective candidate, you've got all the leverage because companies are really desperate to put bodies in seats. So if you want that, if you want the no harm, no foul, I go for it. But I also think it's maybe not in your best interest. You definitely want to make sure you have a way to pay your light bill at the end of those 90 days. So I don't know if it's necessarily more common nowadays, but I do know that the prospective candidates have the leverage. With that thought in mind, Rebecca, do you think people should maybe do a little harder negotiation in terms of the salary they're looking for and other perks? Absolutely. I mean, I think after the pandemic, it's not just the pandemic, it's war, it's natural disasters, it's social and political unrest and upheaval here. We're all pretty worn out. And so hopefully a lot of people have taken time to think about what they want out of their life and out of their career, what gives them meaning, what gives them purpose, how they want to spend their time, who they want to spend their time with, personally and professionally. So absolutely, drive a hard bargain. If you want more time off, ask for it. If you want to make more money, if you want to work from home more, if you want to work different hours, if you want to really design the job you're looking for, more power to you and go for it. I think this is really an exciting time for candidates because they have a lot more power than they've had in a lot of years. With many more people working from home during the pandemic, this just is anecdotal, but I've heard that many people sort of developed a side hustle selling art or they're selling macrame or whatever they're they're (laughs) doing on the side, because you can do that if you're working from home and the boss isn't there. What's your take on that? Is that common and is that going to continue? Yes, I think it will continue. I mean, we're calling this the creator economy because it's, as you said, people are selling art or making videos or making food. They're doing things that creatively fulfills them, the creator economy. And so many people developed this out of boredom a little bit during the pandemic. It was just something to pass the time and keep them engaged. And then they found they could make money doing it. And as we said, it's fulfilled them and it's interesting to them. And they can do it on the side of their day jobs. As long as they are getting done what they need to get done for their jobs, I say, why not? In fact, if I'm the boss, I would say, as long as you are delivering on what we hired you to do, 
I'm okay with it. I mean, <laughs> I'm not their boss, but we're really moving toward much more performance-based jobs. So if you are fulfilling your roles and responsibilities, who cares when you do it? As long as you're broadly available to the boss when the boss needs to talk to you or ask you a question, then who cares if you're also making macrame on the side? I think that we are going to see much more of that. There's some staggering statistics about how many people have a side hustle right now and how many people plan to continue it long after this pandemic is over. Rebecca Knight, senior correspondent at Insider, covering careers and the workplace. Rebecca, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.